0: Of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cocholillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Executive Producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, author of Who Do Justice Magic, Binaural Production Engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, And monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Chris Lippincott, the notorious Montclair Medium. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me, Gary. I love that intro.
0: <laughs> and we are both in the Garden State. <laughs> yes, you can call it that. Parts of our garden, <laughs> but not much anymore. <laughs> so, um, let's start from the beginning. When did you figure out that you are a medium?
1: Uh, I figured it out as an adult. Uh, it seems that a lot of people think that uh, all mediums are kind of born mediums and they're born with the gift and they're born that uh, you know they've got some kind of abilities. But it really turns out that most mediums finally figure it out, finally understand that they're able to harness whatever innate abilities they've got more as an adult, and that was true with me, because as a child I was you know aware of these things that I couldn't understand. Uh, as a child, I was aware of spirit, but I didn't know of spirit. I was aware of um, people that I could see, but other people couldn't see, and I didn't understand why nobody else could communicate with them. I just thought I was you know, extra special or extra imaginative, right? Um, and it wasn't until I was an adult and you know, I was still an agnostic, materialist, greedy SOB on Wall Street as a research analyst where I was totally stressed out, totally out of my mind, um, and I had to find a relief, right? I was searching for a way to figure out how to um, cope with all the stress. Right. Um, so what do I do? I turn to the least uh, Wall Street-type thing I could think of and I was like okay well I've heard this thing called meditation let me go check this thing weird thing out um and I'm stumbling in the dark finding a whole bunch of silly people saying oh this is what meditation is supposed to be like and you know I found some really ridiculous people wearing turbans and I was like I can't do this (laughs) Well, eventually I stumbled onto one that finally resonated with me. I'm like, all right, this thing has no agenda. These people look kind of normal to me. Remember, I was still that very agnostic materialist mentality. So I was very skeptical of everything. Um, And eventually I started getting into this. I'm like, okay, I can calm down. I can relax. This is pretty cool. And... I got into it and I was you know, doing this for about 15 minutes every day before work. I'm like, okay, I'm calm. I can actually go to work and I'm calm, I'm relaxed because previously I was taking out all the stress out of my family, and my co I was, I was just like losing it. But I do this for about 15 minutes every single day because I start to get hooked on it and I start to realize and feel better every day. So when you start to feel something good, you don't want to stop it. And I'm doing this every day just for 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, I can do it 15 minutes. boom, well, I'm done. But the fact that I was doing this every single day and I wound up doing this for about 12 months straight, it started to shift my entire awareness, if you will. Um, but I didn't really realize quite what I was doing. Um, in hindsight, of course, everything's 2020, 20, 20. Um, And I do this for about 12 months and one day i'm in my man cave because every guy's got to have his man cave right Mm -hmm. um and i'm just doing a meditation for about 30 Mm -hmm. minutes and next thing i know i'm basically taken out of my body i'm aware of uh, four spirit people two on my left two on my right and one all the way on my right shot this intense beam of energy straight through my chest and i'm like well i know i'm not asleep anymore because i could feel the damn thing going so right through my chest out through my back um and I, it was just like this intense feeling of love that the that the word love in the human language is really only like the tip of the iceberg this was the other 99 percent of acceptance unconditional uh perfection i was like uh, what's going on and then I began to move out of that realm and to sort of a whole another realm where I immediately felt connected to everything at the same time and I became aware that everything was this feeling of perfection, of acceptance, of unconditional love but it was everything around me and I felt like I was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. There was beginning, there was no ending, and it was kind of like this feeling where I was as if I was in a gigantic ball of light where I couldn't really see the beginnings or the endings of anything. There were no edges of anything, so I couldn't see any beginning or ending of anything, and that's kind of the way I felt. And I remember at one point suddenly um, being told somehow you are perfect. I'm like, wait a second. I'm human. I can't possibly be real. I I, I don't accept that. And this kept on happening. And then I guess after, I don't know, I was there for what, 15 minutes or 10 minutes. I don't know how long. It, It felt forever. I know I came back into my chair, totally dumbfounded and had to process it for however many, 10, 15 minutes. And eventually I ran to my desk, wrote everything down and like, okay, this is really weird. I've got to comprehend what's going on. And soon thereafter, all the strange occurrences that happened to me as a kid, like my being able to uh, hear voices that only I could hear that other people couldn't hear or uh, become aware of energy and, 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 and senses and feelings and sensations that other people couldn't understand or recognize or see people that other people couldn't detect, all of a sudden that started coming back because I had shut that door for about probably 30 years. It's like all of a sudden like this portal totally reopened after having been like this agnostic, materialist, logical, analytical dude that didn't believe any of this stuff. All of a sudden it's like somebody reopened the door. And as we kind of look back on it, it's obvious in hindsight that spirit was basically doing a lot of breadcrumbs and just kind of biding its time, and they had an agenda all of their own, (laughs) and they came knocking back in the door. I'm like, i got to figure this out because it just kept on happening over and over again. Next thing I know, I'm like uh, connecting with my relatives that are in the spirit world and connecting with other people that I don't even know, and I start to figure out that this is something that's going way beyond me, And it's not for me, it's for everybody else. And I started to try to understand what it was. And that's when I started realizing this is something called mediumship, which before I thought was just a bunch of malarkey. Mm -hmm. So I started taking classes and I started understanding it and harnessing it and working with it and working with a lot of mentors to try to develop it better work with it better and so over the course of time I work with a lot of different mentors who you know range everywhere from you know really famous mediums who've been teaching at England's uh, Arthur Finley College all the way to local mediums and everybody in between and so they're all the ones that kind of help me understand what it's all about what I'm doing and over time my own experiences, helped me understand what it's all about. So now I'm kind of at this point where I feel I'm on a mission to help raise the spiritual awareness and consciousness of humanity. It's something that is way beyond me. I'm just kind of like, you know, one of the guys working and serving the spirit world, try to help them bring their love and healing to us. Why you? That's a great question. I love that question. (laughs) I thought I thought that very same question for the longest time because remember I was coming from this skeptical, agnostic place. I was like, "Why me?" I literally asked him that one day because it's like, "Why me?" I'm I'm you know Mister you know Joe Blow from Main Street. Uh, you know I don't have any special gifts, and it suddenly came to me, and I am presuming this was from my uh, my guides who were kind of you know. Getting very frustrated getting very frustrated with me because I didn't believe in any of it. Um, eventually, it, it, it dawned on me that it's that very fact that I am this regular dude, this skeptical, logical analyst off of Wall Street who is the furthest thing from what you would normally expect to be a medium. I mean, normally you'd think of somebody who's like off the Hindu Kush, has been studying spirit for you know many decades and yada 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 i'm just a regular guy just like everybody else and it's quite clear and in fact it's been proven many times that all humans have the same non-physical senses non-physical abilities i.e. psychic gifts we all have it because we're all energy we're all interconnected we all have that capability It's just the fact that the senses and the abilities are lying dormant just beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. We've been so conditioned as humans to be aware of our own material existence. Like, you know, we sit in a chair and we think that's what we're sitting on, something solid. We look at our room, we see a, a wall as something solid. When in fact, quantum physics has proven that everything in existence is nothing but energy. So we're energy. Our chairs are energy. The walls are energy. And when you go to a subatomic level, you see that everything is just empty space filled with energy. Look at the carbon atom, for example. The carbon atom is literally, if you were to take the nucleus of the carbon atom and expand that to the size of a golf ball, its electron would be two miles away. Everything else is empty space. So we're empty space. We're energy. And that's what's so amazing about that. We all have the same ability and we're all interconnected and we all um, can harness that energy. And that's how we connect with spirit, the spirit's energy. We're all just at different vibrations. And that's what it's all about. It's like whether you're um, in the material plane like we are, we're all energy at low vibrations versus uh, the spirit plane, the non-physical plane, which is at a very high vibration. We're just at different vibrations. It's like, go back to your high school physics, right? You got H2O, different states of matter. You got the solid block of ice. Vibrations of solid block of ice, the molecules are very low vibration, incredibly dense. It's like us, right? We're dense. We're dense material states of being. Now, you take that water and you heat it up to the point of being a gas, All of a sudden, the molecules are really excited. They're moving really fast. The vibration is really high. So the difference between a solid state and a gaseous state is nothing but a series of vibrations, a higher vibration. Take it to plasma. So it goes beyond gas. Vibrations rise even higher. Take it to the non-physical state. The vibrations are the highest you can get to. So it's just a series of vibrations. You can look at it on a scale, right, from low to high. That's really where we are. That's just the difference. So you can't really see spirit with the physical eye because you're trying to look at something that's non-physical with a physical skill, with a physical ability. So that's just like a series of vibrations.
0: So what is the point of manifesting at such a low vibration that we're
1: at where just sometimes it sucks? (laughs) Why do we come to the planet Earth to live life that sucks. Exactly. <laughs> and that's a perfect question because we come we come back to this place, especially in New Jersey, it seems. Um, <laughs> I, I, know,
0: I know a place that's worse than New Jersey. I spent five oh. years in Alabama, so.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not going to make any judgments there. <laughs> um, but yeah, the perfect question is why do we come back from the spirit world Uh, The non-physical world, why do we come back into the material plane? And the reason we keep coming back is so that we can learn lessons. Because if everything is so perfect or easy or non-challenging in the spirit realm, you're not going to learn much. So as we come back into the physical, it's like you're living in mud. Right. It's like (laughs) you're just like, oh, my God, you're slow. It's gross. It's hard. It's just like some days you're just like, why am I here? You know, so it's it's that very uh, experience that you are having, that you're learning lessons from. And the analogy is like um, a five year old child. You can tell a child not to touch the hot stove. Right. But is that five year old child going to listen to you? No, you can tell him twenty times, don't touch the hot stove. you going to listen to you? No, as soon as he touches that hot stove, he experiences the pain, and he will never ever again touch that hot stove. So it's exactly the same with us. We're here in that world, learning experiences, learning lessons so that we will not touch that hot stove again, and the only way to grow, the only way to Enhance our spiritual awareness our spiritual growth is by going through these Crappy experiences that we have whether it's frustration whether it's the pain of heartbreak whether it's um, Any kind of uh, Experience that you can think of what's the worst experience you can uh, Imagine you keep on growing through that and so our entire reason for returning the spiritual growth because we're not going to get these experiences in the non-physical, but we definitely will get them in the physical world, especially in New Jersey and or Alabama.
0: (laughs) So, you know, I've thought about this. Obviously I've asked this question a million times. I've pretty much gotten this answer quite a few times as well. But one of the things that I think about this particular answer is after having a year and a half to think about it, is if the point of being incarnatedness at this vibration level is to have a learning experience, and I've done it before, if that's the actual point, I should be able to remember the Mm. things that I learned before, not have to keep
1: doing it over and over again. But you do, but that's the difference. You do remember uh, in a spirit level Because we all have auras, and our experience and our physical imprints and Mm -hmm. everything we've ever done uh, is imprinted on our aura and on our soul level. So spiritually, we remember everything. We know everything we've ever done. But it's like being in a school, right? If you were to remember the answers to the test of every single thing that you've ever done, you wouldn't learn. Because we're here in a school. So if you're to graduate from grade one to grade two, you've got to take a whole series of tests. Well, what's the purpose of learning if you're not going to learn something new? And the only way you're going to learn something new is if you've either A not experienced it before, or B, nobody's given you the answers. So if you remembered the answers to the test you took before, you wouldn't be learning anything new. So in order to graduate to a new level, to a higher experience, to a a higher state of being, then you've got to learn new experiences, new lessons that allows you to grow on a spiritual level. And then your soul is basically the summation of all of the different experiences that you have throughout your entire soul's, I don't want to call it a lifetime, but soul's existence. And we come back many hundreds of different times because there's so many lessons that we want to learn. And we're always, as a soul, we're always trying to expand, to grow, to learn new things. You've heard the saying, that person looks like an old soul, right? That's in many cases they are, because they're learning so many different things. And it's all about the concept of how many new lessons are you learning? If we came back to the physical and we remembered everything that we knew in the spiritual world, we wouldn't be learning any lessons. That's the whole point, spiritual amnesia is to learn new lessons as if we're coming out of a coma. I should say we're in a coma and we don't know anything. And and it's like we're 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 in this world where we know nothing. We have to learn it all over again. We have to learn the new lessons that we don't know the answers to. We may be experiencing new lessons. We may be experiencing old lessons that we never learned before. But before we ever incarnate, we're laying out our life plan with all the different experiences that we want to learn. So let's say we want to learn different lessons, lesson A, B, C, D, and E. So we'll set up the experiences that will help us learn about that. And we put up the experiences that we have in that life to learn from it. And as a result, we'll, we'll go through the lifetime, we'll have those experiences, we'll learn the lessons, at least ideally. In many cases, sometimes we'll have to repeat a lesson. So when we come back, we'll say, didn't learn uh, from experience C. got to go back and do that again. It's like, think of it uh, like that school again. The only way you're going to graduate from grade 2 to grade 3 is if you pass all of your lessons, you pass all of your tests, there's one that you didn't pass, you got to go back and take it again. You're not graduating. You've got to pass every single lesson in that grade before you can kind of move up. You know how uh, schools have moving up ceremonies? Same concept. Mm-hmm. Same idea. So I'm thinking about this sort
0: of hypothetically. Let's say there's two me's this is kind of what you're saying there's this low vibration me that doesn't remember anything it's just dumb there's this higher vibration me which remembers everything and knows what I'm supposed to be doing here would that make the higher vibrational me my spirit guide so therefore like I'm almost like my own spirit guide
1: that's your higher self so your spirit guides are basically like your advisors they're the ones that uh, are always with you when you are incarnate. They're the ones that are elbowing you on the side, saying, stay on that path, you you should be doing this. Um, and the one beauty of it is, spirit can never interfere with our free will. They can always whisper in our ear, like, very gently. And you've probably experienced that feeling Uh, that sense of intuition of, gosh, I feel like I should be doing this. Nah, I'm not going to go (laughs) do it. And 99% of the time, we just simply ignore it, right? You'll have that feeling in the back of your head saying, gosh, you know, I think I should be bringing that umbrella. Yeah, I'm too lazy. Forget it. I'll just go walk in the car. And then you come back from work and you're soaking wet because you didn't bring the umbrella, right? It's that concept where you get that whisper in the back of your head that thought of intuition of I should be doing something. Uh, but we ignore it so many times. That's that's the same concept that our spirit guides are giving to us. They're they're whispering at such a subtle volume that they're not influencing us. We become aware of it, but it's so subtle and so not, uh, the only phrase I can come up with is, like, not pushy. (laughs) Um, It's so subtle that we rarely listen to it, because that's, you know, we've got our free will. We want to do what we want to do. But they'll keep whispering, they'll keep trying, they'll keep kind of giving us little nudges to stay on the path, but more often than not, we'll just kind of like ignore them and forget them. So we come down to uh, our experience, and you know whether we learn from it or not, that's a whole other uh, situation. that's all based on what we are doing in the moment. You know Are we aware that we should be learning from something, or are we just kind of blind with rage? It's like, for example, let's say you're driving on the road, and some guy cuts you off. And you are just blinded with rage. You're like, ah, how can that guy cut me off? He's such a jerk. Oh, I, I, I hate this person. Rah. you just like want to, you know, run into him and take your anger out on this person. You could do that. That would be one reaction. Or you could sit back for a second and think, gee, this challenge is a lesson. What am I supposed to learn? Hmm. Let me step into their shoes and let me start thinking what they're undergoing. That person might be having a terrible day. That person might have a real problem. That person may not have even been thinking I was here. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him my best wishes and send him on his way and give him my love and off he goes. So you can do you know, either A or B, but it's up to us to figure out what we have to do in the moment. So what's the lesson that we're going to take away from that experience?
0: Well, in New Jersey you have to give them the finger and throw an empty water bottle at them.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's a that's that that goes on to your license. That's part of your requirement. That's part of the driver's test.
0: Um you mentioned that, you know, prior to this incarnation we kind of agreed to a plan. Right. Now I can't imagine myself agreeing to be alive through 2021. Oh, I, I, in fact, time, in fact, yeah, in fact I, I don't believe I did. I believe that I was tricked into this. <laughs> yeah, I think. Exactly. I think that that that, that they waved the good part of this Like, oh, like look at this! All the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's gonna be great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and he put all the other crap
0: in the small print.
1: Oh, yeah. The number of times I think to myself, I agreed to that soul contract? What was I thinking? (laughs) Who fooled me? Why did I do this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's the beauty of it. Because when you start to look at it from that perspective and you um, look at it from the 30,000-foot viewpoint, if you will, you start to realize, wow, this is insane. This is a tough life, but I'm getting through it. I'm learning from it. I'm living it. This is really difficult. What can I learn from my life? This, you know, this is a crappy life. Oh my God, all the things I'm experiencing. Oh, all the horror and garbage that I'm experiencing right here and now. Wow. If it's that tough, imagine how much I must be learning. I mean, we're like it, it, we kind of feel like we're suddenly in graduate school. This is intense. I guess.
0: I don't know. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I, I still think I was tricked. And
1: well, absolutely, but th- but we're we're certainly not in kindergarten anymore. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It's 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 weird. Like I had an, like, an out of body experience once during a seizure, and I know like I didn't want to come back. You know, and, and when I when I woke up, I was pissed.
1: Oh, absolutely. When Look at every single near-death experience that's ever been recorded, and the person who's had that NDE comes back, and they are incredibly upset. Why are they incredibly upset? Because they have experienced the beauty of the world of non-physicality. They've experienced that spirit world, and they know what it's like, and they suddenly come back, and they realize whoa the physical world sucks and that's why they're so upset
0: mhm and i think yeah. one of the things too like uh, that that makes it kind of difficult or not difficult but but sometimes i get apathetic towards life you know because it's kind of like well nothing that i do really is going to matter because i'm going to die anyway and that's just true for everybody <laughs> so in so, the so in some world, ways in some ways i can do whatever i want and no matter what i do I'm going to end up in the same result.
1: But I would I would debate that, and I would say, look at it from your soul's perspective. Your soul's perspective would say, absolutely not. Your soul's perspective would say, depending on what you do and how you live your life today, will have a very direct um, result on what your soul growth will be. And in fact, everything that you do today will determine what level and what plane you will exist on as a spirit. Because remember, we're all energy. Mm-hmm. And what energy we put off and what energy states, vibration rates we create will be the vibration rate our spiritual energy then creates as it transitions to the non-physical realm. So we may be, let's just use simple numbers. Let's say our vibration is vibrating at a rate of 100 here in the physical world. Let's say you've got a scale of 100 to, I don't know, take a number, 1,000. No idea. Let's say you've got um, a 100 oscillating vibration rate in the physical, and that's pretty low. You, let's say Indira Gandhi is like a thousand, but you're a hundred. Um, and you stay at that low 100 oscillating rate or hertz or who knows um, throughout your entire life. When you transition to the physical, sorry, the non physical world, you're going to be at that 100 rate uh, vibration. Yet, in order to get to, let's say, the, the fourth plane you would need a frequency of let's say 500 but you're still at 100 so you'd barely be able to be on the second plane so whatever frequency you're at when you're leaving the physical world is going to be where you're going to wind up in the non-physical world So it's all about your frequency rate. So it has a direct correlation to where you wind up. Okay. So definitely consider what you're doing in the here and now as what's going to happen in the future. Hmm. I still want to just live my life like a pirate. (laughs) <laughs>
0: you and Jack Sparrow <laughs> <laughs> so, so how does all this tie into
1: talking to dead people how does it tie into talking to people who have transitioned the one reason that people who are now in the non-physical world want to come back and communicate with those of us in the physical, is they want to give their love and their healing to those in need that need to hear from them. Typically, their are family members. There are others, like spirit guides, who come through who want to give us their love and healing from a more holistic aspect, deliver bigger messages to humanity, to... Help us to lead better lives and basically all of the spirit world is trying to come through to give us its love and healing to help all of humanity become aware of its spiritual truth and its reality that we are all energy and our consciousness lives forever and that in fact everything is love and that the gross material perception that we think we have is not reality. And, and in fact, true reality is a spirit world, and we're living in illusion in the here and now. So it's kind of like we're in a dream, and that's a pretty crappy dream. And by the time we transition, we wake up into a new reality, which is a hell of a better.
0: Hmm. Um. Oh, I had a question. I just
1: kind of forgot what it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was probably spirit zapping your brain. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. I think it might be from doing too much angel dust as a kid.
1: <laughs> well, you see, at least it was angels. That's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, it, it, I, I know my question came back. What, like we're, what you're t- sort of talking about is, is these spirits and, and uh, guides and, and people trying to push this along. I think it's spirit guides. Sounds like they're, they're trying to get humanity to evolve. Now, in your opinion, is humanity evolving or de-evolving?
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely the spirit, uh, um, humanity. (laughs) Spirits spirits evolving too, but (laughs) they're they're evolving a little faster than we are. We in uh, the physical humanity uh, is evolving. In fact, what's becoming uh, quite evident uh, the more we go through this. I think it started in 2012. I want to say. Um, is the spiritual awareness of mankind has actually accelerated rather rapidly, whether that's the age of Aquarius or whatever age it is, which I think may have started in the late 40s, early 50s. It's accelerated, Um, and it really has uh, taken a turn where mankind is evolving rapidly, becoming more aware of spirit, more accepting of spirit, but the problem is that as it does so it's almost shooting itself in the foot because you'd think that if it becomes more aware more spiritually conscious more accepting that it would uh be more benevolent to each other it would love each other it would be a more accepting place it would be a more Mm -hmm. loving place and we'd be more friendly to mother earth and our resources but it just seems like we're doing just the opposite. Um, so it's almost like a, it's like, it's like a split, almost. Like there's definitely part of humanity that is uh, accelerating and, and rising rapidly at the same time that there, who knows, maybe there's a, a, a part of humanity that is going backwards, um, which I wouldn't be surprised of. But it's uh, what I definitely sense is that there's uh, a certain part of humanity that's um, rising faster. Some part of humanity that may be, uh, to your point, <laughs> devolving or at least ignoring intentionally everything that's going on. Um, and there was once a uh, spirit guide um, called Red Cloud. Um, was still Roberts famous British medium uh, in the 1940s and red cloud was saying that um, Atlantis that 10,000 years ago was actually the reason they disappeared was because they had actually accelerated so far that they basically evolved themselves off the planet which, this makes my mind spin. <laughs> but, you know, that's what this guide was saying. So, I don't know. I've heard this before.
0: Okay. doesn't surprise me. Um, when, when you're talking, when, you have, when people have conversations with spirit guides, um, is there any way to differentiate a spirit guide from some type of astral type of entity versus something that could possibly be extraterrestrial?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, So I do uh, trance speaking a lot, and uh, in my trance circles, you can definitely see who the the personality is that comes through, Um, whether they're uh, an indigenous uh, person, native person, uh, whether they're a person who uh, lived in a certain time period uh, or whether they speak from a perspective of uh, a uh, an extra-planetary individual. Uh, and just it's, it's the way they speak. You can definitely hear the words they use that will immediately give you a sense of where they're coming from. For example, if you're hearing from a spirit guide who is uh, an indigenous person, a native person, uh, they'll be referring often uh, to God uh, as um, the great spirit. Uh, words like that, you'll hear that a lot, or, or, or various phrases that, that give you that sensation, or they'll refer to as their brothers as they sat in circle, etc., etc., so you start to hear phrases that will, will, will tip you off. If it's uh, somebody who lived in a certain time frame, um, you'll start to, as you hear them more frequently, you'll start to pick up on what they're talking about um, and their experiences, because they always kind of bring it from a perspective of their time frame. If it's a person who uh, is extraplanetary, they'll say, your planet. Uh, and so they immediately kind of tip you off as, wait a second, you're not from this planet, you're you didn't live here, you're 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 not talking from a, an experience on this planet, and they're more often talking about you know your planet, you people, sort of like a a, a you a, a this. So it's like you really start to hear it's just like anybody. It's like if you were talking to a person from the United States versus a person who's talking from a person in Japan, the reference points are very different.
0: Hmm. Did they all speak English?
1: Be- it all based on you know, the person who is speaking. Typically, they're going to use the uh, medium's voice box. Mm-hmm. So the, if the medium's voice box and the medium themselves, and they're in circle, they're going to be speaking English. There have been times where uh, a guide has come through and doesn't really speak the language, but that would defeat the purpose because they're trying to communicate their concepts, their ideas. So they'll come through, use the medium's mind, use the medium's voice box, get that idea across. Because if they're speaking in a foreign language, a foreign tongue, more often than not, they're not going to be able to get their ideas across. We can't comprehend it. There have been a lot of, you know, examples of guys that have come through in foreign tongues. But in the immediate circle, no one understands what it is. So what they have to do is they have to take a recording, play it, and somebody else translates it. And they're like, oh, okay, that was ancient, whatever, I don't know, pick a language. Um, And they transcribe it. But more often than not, in the spirits in the circles I've ever been to, and I've ever been with, um, it's usually come through in English. Hmm.
0: So, so it just depends on who they're speaking to, they're going to speak to them in that language, that they're going usually. to understand, unless it's the case of like people speaking in tongues.
1: Right, because think of it, What's what's the purpose they're trying to do? They're trying to communicate their ideas. They wouldn't communicate their ideas in a foreign language because then no one would understand what they're saying. Hmm. They have a purpose to come through. They're trying to relay that.
0: So what is the most profound thing that has been communicated to you from spirit?
1: The most profound thing um, is that we are all love and that it is our ability to love one another and that we are all loved uh, tremendously. And the way that they express that love, you can just begin to feel their energy uh to the point where it kind of brings tears to your eyes um when spirit comes through from a guy's perspective the feeling like i can just remember um cases where i've been in trance and um, and people have expressed it back to me where i just feel like i'm kind of lifted out of my chair and i'm somewhere out in You know, the ether somewhere. And I just feel like I'm held by this feeling of love, by this entity of love, by the spirit world that is nothing but love. And it's the entire concept, the whole feeling that we are loved immensely and that we are surrounded by love. We're given love. We're filled with love. And that they, the spirit world, want nothing more to give us all of their love and comfort. And the way they express that is just overwhelming. Um, Talking at it and talking about that concept as a human, this doesn't even begin to touch the iceberg. It's kind of like, wow, this is great, but when you experience it in the moment, you're just like, you know, it's like (laughs) you might as well be hearing you know this chorus of angels to to move you to tears, Mm -hmm. but it's uh, you, you try to express it in words and and it kind of falls flat. I'm just like, oh, <laughs>
0: that's
1: definitely true
0: because I've had that experience. Um, just how about hauntings and disincarnated like spirits that are seem to be stuck here on Earth? What is going on with those spirits? Or is it possible for? a soul to exist in multiple places in multiple forms all at the same time like where everything is just
1: existing at once that's exactly the way it does happen that um and in fact quantum physics has shown us that energy can exist in multiple places at at, uh simultaneously because there really is no such thing as time and you can get down to uh, whether it's quantum physics or albert einstein and why time Uh, is warped, and there really is no such thing as time the way spirit knows it. Uh, We in the physical are aware of time, because time is a function of distance, which is a function of physicality. And because spirit is not a physical thing, there is no distance, and thus there is no time. Um, There are only milestones which get achieved. Um, As far as uh, a spirit that is caught between two planes as it were or still remains in the physical again you go back to energy a spirit that resides in the physical is essentially residual energy that stays in that place because it's uh, still caught in that spot why is it caught in that spot in many cases a spirit doesn't want to progress to Uh, the full non-physical because it feels like it still has something to do, something that ties it to the physical. And examples would be, let's say there's a mother that is so concerned about her kids and she feels like there's no one that's going to watch out for them, that she is so concerned, so focused on her kids and the world and how they're going to be taken care of. That she doesn't want to progress. She wants to focus on the kids. She wants to focus on the house. She wants to focus on who's going to pay the mortgage of the house. Who's going to feed the kids? Who's going to take care of the kids? Etc. Etc. So it's there. It's it's like it's like she's got a mission in her mind, and it's got to get accomplished. And she's the only one who can accomplish it. So there's no way she's leaving. She's staying right here to make sure everything gets done. Of course, she can't do anything because she's not physical, or <clears throat> there might be another reason maybe there's a person who was murdered and that person you know still wants justice and still is tied their energy is tied to the physical spot where you know they were murdered and they're on a mission to find justice in some way shape or form they don't want to leave they want to stay in contact with people to find justice there are people who are murdered who do you know progress on and you know they'll work from the other side but there's some people who want to stay in you know the the present there are other people who just don't believe it there are people who say okay well once i'm dead i'm food for the worms and i don't believe in any of this malarkey so that's their whole viewpoint and when it's transition time they're out of their body and they're like "Well, this is a dream this is really messed up what am i gonna do and you know people come to try to invite them to go to the light and they're like ah that's that's silly i don't believe in that stuff they have the option but they don't follow it because they don't believe in it it's too far from their set of awareness right There's a famous story of a of an investment banker who died of a heart attack, uh, and he didn't believe in any of this. He was completely materialistic, totally agnostic. Sounds familiar. Um, (laughs) And uh, he died of a heart attack, and. You know, started getting really frustrated when he got out of his body, um, started yelling at all of his coworkers, hey, do this, hey, do that, but nobody responded to him, so he was really curious what's going on. But then he could go around, you know, the office, and he was aware of all these special trades that were going on, all these special deals that were occurring, and he had special knowledge of it. So what he found himself able to do was whisper in people's ears. And they'd start to, you know, become aware of like these strange things going on. Like, like I'm, I'm aware of like this deal might happen. And he started getting very excited that he could tell his colleagues or somehow influence his colleagues to go follow these certain deals. And mm-hmm. he never wanted to leave. He was like, this is too fun. I'm having a great time. So he just stuck around basically Haunting that office with all these deals. I don't know whatever became of them, but it's like that's another example of a person who just does not want to leave.
0: I know it would be kind of cool to be a ghost, because then you could see what people are doing when nobody's watching.
1: It could be, but I would think it would uh, a get pretty uh, tiring after a while. Uh, and and there are also stories of um, people who mm-hmm. remain behind. Uh, and stay in their old house. And when somebody new comes into their house, they get all pissed off. They're like, hey, wait a second. This is my house. What are you doing in my house? Get out of my house. So, what do they do? They try to shoo them away. They, they try to do things that annoy the crap out of the people who moved into their house because they still think they own the house. They don't know any better. We so, have that. To right so that's their that's their perception um people say oh they're evil it's not so much that they're evil it's just that they're pissed off that somebody else is in their house they just don't know that it's not their house anymore yeah. nobody told them that nobody gave them the memo <laughs> <laughs> so as
0: a medium like what would you consider like, like your main purpose is, is it to help
1: people with grief the whole purpose uh, for me is to just be the telephone booth between the spirit world and those of us here in the physical world. I'm basically serving the spirit world to help them communicate their love and healing to us.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you also, I looked at your website, and you also teach courses yes. on mediumship. Um how do you get people to open
1: up those channels? People will uh, follow a mediumship calling, as it were, to follow something that's already inside them. Kind of like what happened with me, remember? Mm-hmm. I was like all the stuff that's happening to me. More often than not, people will begin to experience uh, these sensations uh, and these abilities that they're starting to hear people sense energies and callings and feelings. And then you just begin to work with them and then you start to give them exercises and you start to uh, have them do special meditations uh, to sit in the power, to sit in the power of their own spirit, sit in the power of uh, the great spirit and start to, have special exercises that keep on working on all their different abilities because there are seven different psychic senses and you really start to teach those senses and, and to work on those senses. And they're special exercises that you keep on uh, working on. And mediumship is something that you learn over the course of time. And mediums are... Uh, made, not born, and mediums are always learning. You'll always add another quiver, you know, another arity or quiver, right? Uh, there's, you know, there, there there's so many uh, mediums that have been around for a good thirty, forty, fifty years, still alive, and they're still learning. They're saying, oh, I learn something new every day.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um. When you're teaching people how to become a medium, is, med- is meditation one of the first things that you teach them? Just like it kind meditation, of works yeah. for you?
1: <clears throat> yeah, meditation is one of the crucial aspects to mediumship. And here's the reason why. Because it's all about focus. During a reading you've got to be able to not only calm your mind to the point where you allow your mind to become essentially a blank slate to allow spirit to work with, but you've also got to be able to focus on whatever it is you're receiving. Because typically our minds are thinking, like what, a thousand thoughts a second? It's like we all have monkey minds. We're always thinking... All right, got to take out the trash, got to pay the bills, got to do this, got to do that. Look What about that? What about that? And our minds are just constantly going, it's constantly chattering. We can't sit still for a moment. So the whole point of meditation is to first learn to calm that monkey mind, to soothe it, to relax it to the point where it can just stay calm and quiet and relaxed. Also to focus your mind onto one thing. that you are paying attention to what you're receiving but also then to learn how to expand your own spirit within and connect with source energy to connect with the great spirit because Gordon Higginson who was one of England's greatest mediums that ever lived said you cannot uh, connect with spirit before you connect with your own spirit within So you've got to connect with your own spirit and know what that is on the inside. Once you do that and you expand that and connect with source energy, it's that interrelation and that interplay between your own spirit and source energy that you do that enough. That's when you start to build up what's called your power. I refer to it as like your spiritual power, your spiritual reserves, your energy bank, right? and if you remember when i was discussing my 12 months of meditation i was inadvertently building up a reserve of spiritual power i didn't even realize it i was doing a meditation that was essentially sitting in the power for 12 months and i didn't even realize what i was doing looking back on it is 2020 hindsight kind of what i said in the very beginning i didn't know what i was doing I kind of stumbled on it mm-hmm. and next thing I know I'm sitting in the power and I've built up the spiritual reserves where all of a sudden it's like the door opened up and that's why um, in England, for example, there for many different uh, mediumship circles, they actually have a requirement that you are not allowed to join a mediumship circle until you have been sitting in the power for 12 months. Why? So that you're connected to source, so that you're connected, and have a, a large spiritual energy reserve within you, so that you can connect. So that that way you're that much farther along, and you don't have to uh, join the circle without having any reserves within, and you already know what that connection feels like. So that's really sort of the the, the crux of it. It's it's I would say that meditation is perhaps the first and most fundamental aspect to mediumship. Do you ever hang out with the Long Island medium? No. I personally uh, feel that TV mediums are a disservice to the public at the same time that they're a service to the public. And I say disservice because they give the public a false perception that mediumship is 100%. And that in the, in the course of 30 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever the session happens to be, that you're going to get 100% of the answers 100% of the time, and you're going to get exactly who you call when you want to. It doesn't work like that. You're basically an antenna, <clears throat> you're a receptacle, and whoever comes through based on spirit's agenda, they're going to come through. Not the person that you dial up and say, it's dial-a-spirit, I'm going to dial up your mother. doesn't work that way, and it's not 100%. You know, the best mediums have 70%, maybe 80%, whereas t- TV mediums, they're, they edit out 90% of the garbage that happens. They may have a one-hour sitting, and they'll show you 10 minutes of it, and it's all edited. Mm-hmm. And it's all done. And so the perception of the public is it's 100%. And that's a disservice. Mm-hmm. The, the good service is that, at the very least, it's showing that there is a contact. There is communication. This is really happening. But <clears throat> also uh, with some mediums, some TV mediums, they give the perception that it's always on. It's not always on. In fact, just the opposite. All mediums, or well, most mediums, I should say, are trained to turn it on, open up to it, and then when they're done, they close shop, close it down, say, no more, I'm done. <laughs> the problem is some TV mediums are walking around in the, you know, a grocery store saying, oh my gosh, I feel your grandmother's here, and I've got to give you this message. That's just improper. You don't walk up to some stranger and say, hey, I got your grandmother here, and here's her message. No. <laughs> you don't do that. That's just wrong.
0: Yeah, I interviewed Mark Ireland, and, you know, he does a lot of certification of, of mediums. He has, like, a, a website, and mean, verified mediums and stuff like that. People pay to be on this website, you know, and he had actually taken her off of his list because of that. Yeah. And, um, and he, you know, it's also been explained to me, too, that um, in mediumship, you know, you mentioned about 70% of it being accurate, that that, that the problem is our ability to interpret the information. It gets skewed by our, our, our own perceptions, our own biases. Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. what
1: causes that to happen. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of the, the problem is that uh, the way the information is perceived will have a large impact on the communication itself. Mm-hmm. If most of the information is coming through via clear cognizance, which is basically a data download of information, it's you know, clear knowing, I know something, and I don't know why I know it, I suddenly know it. There is no um, type of trying uh, this, perceiving and thinking and interpreting. There's none of that because it's a data download. The other one is clear audience, clear hearing. If you hear spirit talking to you, you're just relaying. You're just being uh, the person that's relaying the information. You're literally the telephone booth saying, "Okay, hold on." John just told me that XYZ, you're not interpreting, you're just relaying words. Where it can get messy is if it's clairvoyance, clear seeing, where you see images, uh, sometimes that might be symbols, sometimes you see things and you're understanding it to be this, but it's not everything that's coming through. Let's say, for example, they're showing you a red pickup truck. Why are they showing you a red pickup truck? So you've got to start digging into it. What's inside the red pickup truck? What's on the red pickup truck? What's on the dashboard? What do you see there? And so you've got to start digging, 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 because Spirit will start with you know the tip of the iceberg, but you've got to dive down to the bottom mm-hmm. where the other 99% of the information is to go find the, you know what they're trying to get at. So you keep on saying, "Give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more." How can I better describe you? How can I better describe this? So it becomes a two-way effort. You know, you you know, if you don't understand something, you kind of mentally reach back and say, "Give me more."
0: Yeah, it sounds tricky, and also, you know, just like this podcast, like 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 one listener could listen to this episode and get one thing from it. Another person could listen to it and get something the complete opposite.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, just, just, they, they both listen to the same thing, but they both interpret it completely different. It's what you take away from something, absolutely. Um, but the medium's job is to not interpret anything. Right. It's to be a completely neutral mm-hmm. observer and to um, give exactly what you get. Right. And it's up to the recipient to interpret the information I could be saying, you know, uh, John says X, Y, Z, and that could be any number of things uh, of meaning to the recipient. Yeah. The recipient says, yeah, that totally makes sense because John did that, or I'm not quite sure. What does that mean? I don't remember him ever saying that. I'm like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's just what John's telling me. (laughs) But more often than not, spirit uh, gives us information that's very specific, that has specific meaning to the recipient, and will have a fundamental impact on the recipient. Because spirit, uh, A, is incredibly intelligent. They know exactly what they're saying. They know exactly why they're saying it. Uh, and they also know how to tell things to the recipient that they'll finally understand. There'll be a number of times where I'll be giving uh, the recipient information, and sometimes they can't understand the piece of information during the reading. They can't validate it. They're like, hey, sorry, I, I can only give you what I get. Maybe a month later, they come back to me and they validate exactly what they got. They're like, oh, yeah, you're right. John told me such and such. And and I talked to my mother who totally validated that very thing happened. I didn't know that. So many cases, some of the most cool validations are when the the recipient never even knew the thing happened. Then they found out from somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it happens a month later. Those are some of the most amazing validations. That's when we know that It's not like a mental telepathy between the medium and the and the recipient, right? That's when we know it's actually something that's coming in, given, sits, and the recipient finds out from somebody else.
0: That's kind of. I took a remote viewing course not too long ago, and it was very similar thing. Like, just write down the information that you get. You don't think about it. You don't question it. You don't judge it. You just write Mm -hmm. it down. And then at the end of the session, you see what the target is and. And that's kind of yeah. it, you know. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that's, the, that's the other thing. It's like uh, sometimes when I'll be doing uh, trance writings, um, I'll connect with my guides. In fact, I remember we're doing, we were doing an exercise once where uh, we were doing a trance writing, uh, a trance letter to somebody. And the uh, mentor had said, um, connect with your guide. Let your guide write the letter and you send the letter to me and I'll forward that letter to the person it's supposed to go to. And the only person that knew who the letter was supposed to go to was the mentor and the spirit guide. I didn't have a clue what was going on. So I write this letter and I uh, kind of open my eyes and I look at it and I'm like, wow, that's a pretty powerful letter. I don't know who that's going to. Um give it to the mentor mentor sends it off to the person it was uh, supposed to go to Uh, and I like a month two months later uh, I get a response from the person who it went to they were like oh my god that totally uh, was everything I needed to hear in that exact moment and it fit perfectly like Wow (laughs) the spirit knows what's going on because we don't they they know what's happening (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and their intelligence every single time just blows my mind. I love wow. it. So before we wrap it up, I want to ask you one really heavy question. Love it. What? Is there a God? Yes. Does Unequivocally. He, does he does he care? Oh, my God, yes. God is love, and we are actually all children of source energy. Because remember, at the very beginning, I was telling you about mm-hmm. the fact that we're all energy. Well, God is, is the label, Right. And God is nothing but source energy. We all came from source energy. If you want to look at it from the perspective of what existed before the Big Bang, right? Think of it that perspective. Before the Big Bang, there was nothing. There was a sense of energy. And then eventually that energy just exploded. The concept is that as that energy exploded, all the energy expanded into uh, an ability to experience itself in different ways, in different places. So if you want to refer to God as source, the source energy, it then branched out to experience in other ways through other energies exploding out into other realms other areas we are a result of that source energy think of it as um, if you want to think about it from a science perspective think of it as the Big Bang we are all residual particles of Big Bang dust we all came from that Big Bang Mm -hmm. everything that exists throughout existence came from that big bang. So everything is part of source energy because we're energy, we're part of source. And so source is this pure love. And like I said, love, the word love cannot even begin to describe it. It's indescribable. It's love that is beyond all comprehension. Uh, It is that pure white light. It is that uh, source energy that uh, is the beginning and ending. They call it the Alpha and the Omega. But that's why it is a love that uh, stretches to infinity and beyond. And we're part of it. We are part of God. We are part of source energy. And the whole goal, the whole aspect, the whole part of our existence is that we are always part of god we're always connected to god the same way we're connected to each other we're all interconnected and all we have to do is to try to be at one with god try to reconnect with god we're never separate from god that's sort of the 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 feeling of humanity is that we always feel separate. We always feel alone. It's our ego mind that separates us from each other, separates us from everything around us, separates us from our feeling that we're ever connected to anything else. When in fact, that's part of the illusion. We're all interconnected. It's all unity. We are all a singularity. We're all the same. We're all one piece. We've never been separate. We never will be separate. We will always be one. That's the singularity and that's the unity. Pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. Well, you want it heavy. I gave it to you. (laughs) (laughs) So before we wrap it up, where is the best place for my listeners to find you? Best place uh, to find me would be uh, on my website, which is www.montcleremedium.com or if they want to Shoot me an email. It's chris at com. There would probably be the two places I guess they could look me up. All right,
0: And also on your website, you have your courses. You have yes. um, a place for people to schedule um, sessions with you. Yes. And uh, you also have a free meditation
1: available also. A lot of them, yeah. I've got at least five plus. And I do so many. They're just, it's so fun to do, and they're all free.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll put a link to that in a note to this episode so my listeners can check you out. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on. This was a pleasure talking to you today. Total pleasure from my, from my perspective. Love talking about this. Thank you so much. Awesome. I hang on one more moment. I just have to play the outro.